All right, so today we're going to talk about Thomas, the disciple Thomas. And probably already, when I say that word, something already came to your mind. Everybody kind of knows a little bit about Thomas. There's not a lot actually in the scriptures about Thomas, but there is one particular story, and that's the story that we're going to read. And uh, so I want to set it up just for for you just a little bit. Um, So Mary saw the resurrected Lord at the tomb, and she ran back and she told the disciples. And soon after that, Jesus appeared to the disciples as well. But there was one disciple missing. So that's where we're going to pick up the story. So let's find it in the scriptures, John chapter 20, and we're going to start with verse 24. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll just kind of, kind of break it down, okay? All right, so Thomas, also known as Didymus, or twin, was one of the 12, and he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Another version says, we've seen him with our own eyes. And Thomas said, well, unless I see him and I see those nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked and Jesus just came in and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And then he looked at Thomas and he said, Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and touch my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord, my God. He was overwhelmed, I think. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us, (laughs) right? Well, poor Thomas because he is forever known after that as Doubting Thomas, right? Even people who don't know the scripture kind of know the the term Doubting Thomas. But I think that's a bum rap for Thomas. I mean, yeah, maybe he doubted, but, well, I mean, look at John. John's called the Beloved, right? And poor Thomas is called in the scripture the twin. All right. But he's not called called the doubter. But John is called the beloved, the one who Jesus loves. And then I started thinking, who called him that? Oh, he did. (laughs) Right? John said, John, the disciple that Jesus loved. Well, I just started thinking, what what if Thomas had written this story? He probably wouldn't have called himself the twin. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I think he probably would have said, and Thomas, the realist. (laughs) Yeah? Doesn't that sound better? Like, that's what I, I mean, I can really relate. I'm pretty much a realist. I like to see things as it is. That's what a realist does. He sees the situation. He says, okay, I see that. Now I'm just going to do I'm going to do something with that. I'm going to take care of it. And we see that in chapter 11 of John. This is when Jesus was told, hey, Lazarus is sick and he needs you. And so Jesus waited around a little bit longer 
And then he said, okay, guys, we're going to go back to Judea. We're going to go uh, see what's going on with Lazarus. And Thomas's reaction was, uh, do you not remember? Like, they tried to stone you over there. They tried to stone you. And you're going to go back? But it's recorded that he said, all right, guys, let's go back and die with him. He's like, it is what it is, so let's go back and die with him. I think maybe, maybe Thomas is even the one who coined that phrase. It is what it is, so let's just do this. So that doesn't really sound like much of a doubter to me. That sounds like he knew Jesus was the real deal, and he was willing to die. He was willing to die with him. But yet Jesus did say to Thomas, put away your doubts. So, I guess Thomas doubted. But he wasn't the only one, was he? Because we see it. We see it all through scriptures. I think all the disciples doubted. They questioned at some time. You know, John, the beloved, when he ran to the tomb and he looked in, the scripture says that he saw and then he believed. Well, what was he doing before? Like, he was with Jesus for three years right? But now he saw and he believed. Well, that's kind of what Thomas did. Thomas saw and he believed. Even on the the road to Emmaus, when all the followers were questioning, like, what just happened? Can you imagine the disappointment? Like, Jesus walked with us. He healed people. He said he was God. Like, this is amazing what he's doing. And now all of a sudden he's dead. He died. We watched him die. How can, this, how can this work? They questioned. And in the Old Testament, oh, goodness, we don't have enough time to talk about everything and everyone who doubted. Sarah doubted. She doubted that she could have a baby at 90-something years old. I have no idea why she doubted that, right? <laughs> but she doubted. God told her she doubted. Uh, Moses doubted. God said, you're going to be the one to lead these people. I don't think I can. I, I'm stut- I stutter. I don't know. I don't think I can do that. David doubted he could be the king. And the psalmist, have you ever read the psalms? <laughs> I mean, it is full of doubts. It's like, why are these people prospering and they're evil, but me, I'm doing good and I'm not. Do you even see me? Do I have to be this wrecked for how long? God, where are you? It's like, even John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, right? He said, behold, the Lamb of God. He was full of the Spirit in the womb, y'all, like John the Baptist. And then he was put in jail. Remember what he did? He sent his followers to go ask Jesus, now, are you really the one? (laughs) I'm questioning here because I don't know why I'm in jail. Yeah, he was disappointed, I'm sure. But they're not alone. They're not alone, are they? Do we, dis- do we get disappointed? Do we doubt sometimes? Do we question? Look, y'all, I'm just going to be real. I do. There are times that I do. Even when things are, you know, I believe the Lord for a while and I'm walking with him and I'm, 
everything's going pretty good, and then something not good happens. Can you relate? And then I go, what is going on? Do you remember me? What is happening? You know, years ago, um, the economy crashed. And uh, we own our own business. My husband has, had built this business from scratch, and um, he had put a lot of time and effort in it, and it was doing pretty good. But we're very, very dependent on the economy. And when the economy tanked, so did our business, right? So our business crashed. We lost our business. We lost our home. It was tough. It was tough. And you know what I did? I remember sitting in the living room. My kids were at school. My husband had found a job at Lowe's. And I was sitting in the living room crying. In the dark, by the way, because that's the best way to cry. <clears throat> With the shades shut. And I just was like, I don't know what happened, God. Have we not loved you? Have we not, you know, served you? God, where's the provision? So I question. Because when bad things happen, when disappointing things happen, we tend to question. Because it doesn't quite match up with what we believed, what we thought, what our faith was saying. So we, so we doubt. Like the psalmist, why is th that evil guy prospering and I'm not. John the Baptist, why am I in jail? <laughs> what did I do wrong? Just like me. After our business crashed, what did we do wrong? Are you there? Are you listening? I think it's pretty human to feel that way. Thomas, like the disciples, like me, and probably like you, he didn't understand he didn't understand because he had believed, he had loved this guy, he had been with him for years. He said he was willing to die for him. And now he's gone. But he wanted to believe. He had some hope in there that well, maybe, maybe this is true, but I got to see it. I got to see it, y'all. I'm kind of like that. Something happens, and I'm like, oh, God, come through. Come through. Come on. What's going on? I want to see you do something. I want to see you do something in my marriage. I want to see you do something with my kids. I want to see you do something with my business. What is going on? Are you involved? And I think especially when we're brand new to faith, we question question because we're trying to figure it out. Do we believe this or not? So we search. And there, I'm sure there's people in here that are searching, and I'm so glad you're here. You're in a good place. And you're welcome. Your questions are welcome. Your search is welcome. Because God is big enough for your doubts. I remember when I was a teenager and I had come to know the Lord, and um, soon after that we 
my family and I, we went to this uh, Bible conference for three days. And uh, it was back in the 80s. Yes, that's how old I am. And uh, this was like fire and brimstone preaching. I'm talking about the guy was beating on the, the pulpit and he was screaming. You could see his vein. He was talking about hell. And my little 15-year-old self was going, wait, what? Is this, what, do, is my faith enough? Like, is this, was it really true? Do I need to do something more? I don't want to go to hell. What's going on? And I got scared and I doubted and I questioned and I didn't know where to take it. So I decided, I'm just not going to take it anywhere right now. I, I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm going to cry. <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm embarrassed. I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm afraid they'll tell me something more scary. I got so bent up that I just isolated myself. And everyone went to lunch. And I went to the, to the bunkhouse. And I just laid on the bed. And I closed my eyes. And I said, God... Where are you? What is going on? Can you calm this down in me? Answer some questions for me because I don't know if this is even true anymore. I don't know if what I've believed is true. I don't know. And I said, God, I, I, I don't even want to talk to anybody. And I think God said, yeah, you can talk to somebody. How about talking to your sister-in-law, Kay? And I thought, okay, I can talk to Kay. I can talk to Kay, but I don't want to talk to my mama. I don't want to talk to any my friends. I don't want to talk to anybody but Kay. I can talk to Kay. She's a safe place. And I had my eyes closed, and I start to feel and hear people come into the, to the bunk room, and, and I just lay perfectly still because I don't want to talk to you. And then I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to open my eyes and i got to see Kay because I don't want to see anybody else because I don't want to talk to anybody else. I will just lose it. But I'll lose it with Kay. And I was so scared to open my eyes because I didn't know if he'd come through. <laughs> I didn't know if it was even right to ask him to come through with that. I didn't know, but all I know is I needed, I thought I needed Kay. And I finally got my courage to open my eyes. And Kay was right here in my face. <laughs> Not only did I see Kay, that's all I could see. I don't know why she was in my face, but she was right there. And I was like, <gasps> and before I could say anything, Kay goes, you should have been there. They had fried chicken." And I was like, <laughs> I don't remember what our conversation was like. By the way, we're from Kentucky, so that's why fried chicken was just so great. Um, but I don't know, remember what she said, but I know she was there for me. And I know I asked God for something, and he, he's so gracious and loving and kind. He met me where I needed him to meet me. You see, we get into situations of doubt or questioning or disappointment because something happens that doesn't line up with what we thought would happen or should happen. But we can get out of those doubts and questioning by experiences too. Now, our faith is not in an it. Our faith is in a person, right? 
Our faith is in Jesus. So our experience to get out needs to be with Jesus. We need to experience that relationship. And it, it may not and it probably won't ever look like what it did for me with Kay in my face. But that's okay because it's probably not going to be what you need. But the point is that Jesus responds. He responds to your doubts. He responds to your questions because he is a relational God. He loves to listen to us. He loves to talk to us. He meets us where we are. Like on the road to Emmaus. He didn't go up to those guys on the road to Emmaus and say, here's my hands, here's my side. Because that's not what they needed. They were like, how do the scriptures work with this? So he walked along with them and he explained to them how the scriptures work. That's what they needed. Mary, Pastor Brent was talking about Mary last week and how Mary was, she had seven demons. Like she was bound up. She was shamed. She needed compassion. And Jesus met her there. He called her by name. He saw her. He loved her. And he freed her. And, and Thomas, he did that for Thomas. So Jesus, the scripture says Jesus came back again a second time to the disciples. And I really think he came back for Thomas. I really do. Because this time Thomas was there. And, and when he came, he looked at Thomas and he said in 27, verse 27, he said, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and touch my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus met him where he needed to be met. So it's okay to question. It's okay to even doubt sometimes because you're questioning. You're searching. You want to know the answers. You have that little hope. Maybe it's true. I'll just keep going. God is about relationship. The question is, when he responds to you, how will you respond to him? That's really the question. Here, let me throw this out. For, for, for those who are praying for someone, and you're inviting them to church, and you're praying for them, and you're talking to them about Jesus, and they have a lot of questions, and they have a lot of doubts, is that okay? To... Just let them question. Do you let them wrestle? You know, sometimes I think we, we think we have to know all the answers, and we really don't. If we did, then we might be known as a know-it-all. And nobody less a know-it-all. But if we just love on them and we listen to them and we share with them and we pray with them and we keep pointing them to Jesus... That's what we need to do. Just let Jesus take care of that. There are two things that Thomas did, and it's recorded in the scripture that I really like. And I think when you have questions and you have disappointment, this is a good role model to follow. So let's look at that. The first one is Thomas kept asking questions. He didn't stop. He just kept asking questions. In John chapter 14, 
Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is before his death, and he's saying, hey, guys, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away, and, you know, where I go, you can go because you know that way. And Thomas, in verse 5, he pops right up, and he says, no, we don't. Wait, hold on, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. We have no idea, actually, where you're going, so how are we going to know the way? He's asking. He's like, I think he's like saying, help me, tell me. What, what, is, what are you talking about? Where are you going? He kept asking the questions, and to the right person. The second thing Thomas did, and I, I love this the most, he kept showing up. He just kept showing up. There's so many times that Jesus said something or did something and he could have said, I am out of here. Like, this is just too much for me. But he never did. He, in, let's look, let's look, look, a little bit, let's look in verse 25. Going back to our story. He says, remember, he says he wasn't there. So he says to the disciples, well, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and I put my fingers into them and I place my hand in his wound in his side. And the very next verse is so key. It says eight days later or a week later when, when the disciples were together again, this time Thomas was with them. He didn't stop showing up. He kept wondering. He kept asking. He kept showing up. He kept leaning in. Thank God he didn't isolate. I don't want to talk to anybody. No. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to keep leaning in. I'm going to keep watching. He showed up with you guys before. I wonder if he'll do it today. He's looking expectantly. He didn't give up. So I ask you, do you keep showing up? Are you going to group? Are you showing up at church? Do you keep asking questions? Will you keep showing up? You know, here's the thing. He's known as Doubting Thomas. But did you know that once he did all the searching, once Jesus showed him, Thomas is actually the first disciple to express Jesus' divinity. He says it right in, in verse 28. In another version, it says, his heart just overflowed. And he said, you are my Lord. You are my God. He searched and he showed up and he leaned in. And Jesus responded to him. And he could finally own his own faith. You see, <laughs> Thomas couldn't take on faith of the disciples that wasn't his own any more than we can have faith because someone else had it. You have to have your own faith. So that's why it's okay to question. That's why it's okay to keep coming back and going, what now, what now? When we doubt, when we question, when we're disappointed, I think the first step is to admit it. Don't isolate, but admit it. Admit it to God. Admit it to somebody so you can get prayer. Search it out. And then when Jesus does show you, 
then believe. Stop doubting and believe and proclaim the truth. Now, faith is not by sight. We know that, right? I mean, the very definition of faith is believing what is not as though it already were. But faith is also not the opposite, the opposite of reason. I mean, he had witnesses. We have witnesses. Faith is, is an informed decision. It is. There are facts. But we also have to believe what is not as though it already were. We have to have faith. And we see that, you know, John uh, verse 20 I mean, chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said it to Thomas. He said, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So maybe Thomas doubted. Okay. But we all doubt. Right? And thankfully, God always shows up. He always responds to our sincere questions. And then it's up to us. It's up to you. How are you going to respond? I have three takeaways for you this morning. The first one is, we're not separated from Jesus just because we doubt. He's right there. He's right there. He, he's okay with us wrestling just don't hide. Don't isolate. In fact, I would encourage you to think about what are you doubting about? Kind of start to deconstruct that. Because usually, usually we're doubting because something happened and it's not what we wanted. So we have to deconstruct that and figure that out. The second thing is God loves our sincere questions. He really does. God is a very relational God. And he loves it when we come to him and ask him questions. Not like the Pharisees, because they weren't sincere questions. They were trying to trap him. But he has all the answers. The third thing is we need to keep showing up but showing up to the right source. What's the right source? The source is, is the word of God and, and prayer. You know, go to God in prayer and ask him things and worship because he will respond. He will come and be with you. The right source is your community of faith, this church. We love you. And it's okay if you question. Just lean in, admit it, let's go. Come on, let's get on with it. I'm going to leave you with a, with a quote. Um, it's from the book uh, Severe Mercy by Sheldon uh, Van, Van Nocken. And uh, he was a brilliant man. He actually knew C.S. Lewis, which I think is very cool. And he had conversations with him. And Van Nocken was was not a believer for a long time. He was very smart. And he, he began to question 
this faith. He began to question, does God really exist? And so this book, Severe Mercy, is such a beautiful book. It's, it's a love story, first of all, between he and his wife. It's really beautiful. But it's also a love story between him and God. So there's a part of the book when he's like, okay, I've been questioning for a while. I've I, I been doubting for a while. Like, I've really, I don't know what to do with this. And so this quote is so, so good for what we're talking about right now. He says, there is a gap between the probable and the proved. How was I to cross it? If I were to stake my whole life on a risen Christ, I wanted proof. I wanted certainty. I wanted to see him eat a bit of fish. I wanted letters of fire across the sky. And I got none of these. And I continued to hang about on the edge of that gap. It was a question of whether I was going to accept him or reject him. And then he had this revelation. Oh my God. There was a gap behind me as well. Perhaps the leap to acceptance was a horrifying gamble, but what of the leap of rejection? There might be no absolute certainty that Christ was God, but there's no absolute certainty that he was not. This was not to be born or proven. I could not reject Jesus. There was one thing to do once I realized that there was this gap behind me. I turned away from it and I flung myself over the gap towards Jesus. Sometimes our faith begins with a doubt. Sometimes deepening our faith that we already have begins with questions. And that's okay. But there's one thing for certain. You can't stay in the gap. You can't. It's either you believe in God or you believe that he's not God. Either you believe in his provision or you believe he's not. So you have to make a decision. But before you make the decision, you're in that time of wrestling and that's okay. So I'm going to ask you as we pray and we worship, and I want to ask the prayer team to come up because sometimes, sometimes you just need to have some flesh and blood, right? Flesh and bone, and you look at him and you say, I haven't said this yet, but I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm doubting this. I'm questioning this. Can you pray with me? It's the first step. Admit it. Wrestle with it. Look to the right answers. Lean in. This is your opportunity. You can just come up and, and pray as a symbolic saying, hey, I'm here, God. I'm leaning in. Or come up and talk and pray with someone. But do something. Let's lean forward, shall we? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are here with us, God. 
that you are for us and not against us, that you respond to our doubts, you respond to our questions because you love us, you died for us, you desire relationship with us. And we can't go so far that your arm will not reach us. Your arm will always reach us. Let us respond to you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Would y'all stand up and just, let's just stand up and worship and listen to the Lord.